Welcome to another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Chopper Podcast. We got a great episode for you guys tonight. We got Steve from Fat Man Custom Motors back in the motherfucking building. He's going to be talking about his journey from the Melrose shop to where he's at in Brentwood today. He's going to be talking about his shovel build, the transmission swap. We're going to get into some pricing tips. For small business owners out there running a shop, trying to stay competitive, all that good shit, and a whole bunch more. But before we get into that, let's kick this thing off the way we always do with these motherfucking sponsors. First up, we got Chop Cult, the hub in the home of your next build thread. Swing on over there to chopcult.com, make yourself an account, add yourself to the Brolodex, scroll through those classifieds, list your parts. And check out the blog. Next up, we got ChopShit.com, run by the one and only Chicken Rick. This is the man who's got hand-picked parts from builders across the world. He's also the home of the Low Life merch and just got those new American flag Low Life banners in. So if you want to snag yourself one of those, swing on over to ChopShit.com and check him out on YouTube. His new show is Winging It with Chicken Rick bunch of fucking episodes out already so go give it a watch next we got broadway customs out there in motherfucking englewood colorado swing on over to broadway.customs.cycles these guys get into everything automotive and commercial fabrication cnc plasma cutting 3d printing and a whole lot more swing on over follow them on instagram and if you are in the Colorado area, they do bike nights, so follow their page for more information on when those are going down. Next up, <coughs> excuse me, we got Lowbrow Custom, everything you need for the road ahead since 2004. Lowbrow is a great company, I've ordered so many parts through Lowbrow, I can't even tell you how many orders I've placed from them, most recently got a rear wheel from them and a tire, uh, super great company, fab parts, motorcycle parts, hardtails, everything under the sun, including motors. You can literally get an entire bike off of one website, and that is lowbrowcustoms.com. All right, next up, we've got Paco, 52 years in the motherfucking game. These guys have all the parts you need for your Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Whether it's a full hardtail frame, a front end, a springer, transmission components, and a whole lot more. They've got it all under one roof at Paco.com or on Instagram at Paco Parts. And then last but not least, we got the homie Wes over at Custom Destruction making the dopest three-quarter lids in the motherfucking game. You pick the shell color, the trim package, the liner color. And if you don't see something you like on the website, you know Wes does custom orders. 
because it's custom destruction. So swing on over, shoot him a message on Instagram at custom destruction, tell him what you want. And if you can't source it, he could probably source the materials for it too. Great dude. Great helmets. Go get yourself one. Next, we got your boy, Pharaoh Fabrication, right here in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Specialty welding is the name of the motherfucking game over here. If you need a hardtail and you want somebody who's going to put the motherfucking time in to make sure that shit comes out straight and stays straight for the life of the hardtail, I am the guy for the job. If you crack your aluminum case and you need something repaired and your local weld shop said, sorry, we don't get into that, guess what? I fucking get into that. So hit me up on Instagram at Pharaoh. That's F-E-R-R-O Fabrication. Give me a follow. Check out some of the past projects and let me know what I can help you put together. And last but not least, we've got Black Dog Motherfucking Towing located in Epping, New Hampshire. But the great thing about a tow company is it fucking comes to tow you. So wherever you are in the New Hampshire area, we can arrange it, Loctite will get out there, scoop you up, because remember, if that chop stops going, you call Black Dog Towing. All right, so I'll keep it brief. As you can hear, I'm solo on tonight's episode, so we tend to keep it a little little shorter in the intro, outro, when I'm doing the solo ones, but I do want to remind people, this is the time. The deadbeat retreat is coming up, and as you know, <clears throat> we fly one lucky lowlife in every year to party with us for the weekend. We put you up, give you a place to stay. You come, you meet the whole crew. It is a great opportunity to make some lifelong friends and kick it with some new people for a hell of a fucking weekend. The way that you get involved is you go to patreon.com slash Podcast. You click on Giveaway Level Supporter, and under the name, you put your Instagram name. Everybody will, who is a Giveaway Level Supporter, each month, you get one extra ticket in the drawing for the Deadbeat Giveaway to fly one lucky lowlife out to Maine with us. So, go there, get yourself set up as a Giveaway Level Supporter, earn yourself a ticket for... June, July, and August. It'll give you three chances if you sign up now. So swing on over there, get it done. Plus, this month's giveaway supporter is the homie motherfucking Jerry over at 812 Inc. Shout out to him. He is going to be hooking you up with some attitude adjusters. They got a two finger, a three finger, and a fucking four finger. He will custom make this for whatever size your little breakfast sausage fingers are. He can make it happen for you. So, in order to win, you do what I just said. You go to patreon.com slash lowlifechopperpodcast, click on giveaway level supporter, and then the last step is you follow 812inc on Instagram. And when we do the drawing, we will check to make sure you're following motherfucking Jerry. And if you are, you'll be going home with some fucking attitude adjusters. Good deal. All right. So... With all that out of the way, I think we are in good shape. We won't take too long with this. We'll jump right into this conversation with Fat Man Custom Motors. All right, guys, we are live on the air with the man himself, Fat Man Custom Motors. Welcome back to the show, brother. What's going on? Dude, it is good to have you back on. 
we were digging back in the archives before we actually hit record on this episode here. And the last time we had you on, it was February of 2021. And you were right on the verge of moving into a new shop in Raymond. Pretty yeah. fucking, pretty, pretty wild, the, the story since then. So let's pick, let's pick right up. When you were, you were in the shop with Loctite, sharing that space, and that shit was getting busy, and you needed more space. Take us through the, uh, the Raymond experience there. Uh, so basically, um, so to take it way back, when I was sharing the shop space with Loctite, uh, initially, it was like kind of slow. And then, uh, so I ended up picking up a full-time job on top of running my shop full-time. So I forgot about that. Yeah. So I was fixing cars like a regular nine to five, like five day work week. And then, um, so what I ended up doing was buying a steel building, a VersaTube steel building and building it on the same property as my nine to five job. And then, uh, you know, I had to buy siding and like a bunch of us came and like, I think Dan was there. A ton of us put it together. And um, yeah, we built this building and then moved Fat Man Customs onto the same property as my day job so that I could literally be working two jobs at the same time. Damn, dude. That must have been a wild fucking schedule. Yeah, it was like, uh, so the good thing was I ended up working it out so that Emma also came to work there full time. Oh, sick. Hit her payroll between the guy that owned the car shop and the and uh, my motorcycle work, so she was kind of like bouncing back and forth between the two jobs with me. So I had her to, you know, kind of right. So I mean, it definitely helps too to have somebody. Oh shit! Sorry, I lost you there. You still there? Okay, perfect. Yep. Yeah, so she was bouncing at the at the same time. You had basically moved from shop to shop together. Yeah, so she was um I initially made the move by myself and then um once it got to a point I was like just I couldn't like there's a lot to handle, you know what I mean? So right. I worked with a deal with the guy that owned the car shop and uh she quit her job at Babylone, uh, changing oil and she came to work with us full time. Uh, I'm sure she loved that a lot more too. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking way better. So was she working with you at, uh, like doing the car repairs and then also obviously working at fat man custom motors too. Yeah. So like basically the, the formula that it, how it was, was, uh, like he would have like a certain amount of jobs every day that he needed done. And uh, I, I could pretty much decide what she was going to do for the day. So like, you know, some days, uh, you know, he might have two or three brake jobs lined up or a radiator or whatever. And then I had, you know, two services on a Harley or in a, in a top end job or something. Sure. So like I would kind of like bounce around between like, you know, all right, let me put Emma on this brake job on this car so that you know his work is still getting done 
and I'll go do this top end real quick. And then like, we would switch off and like, she would do the services on the bike while I did the rest of the car work. You know what I mean? Dude, that's cool. Yeah. So you're getting to pick like how the day is going to flow and who's going to do what. Yeah. That's kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a control freak like that. So it's, it, he kind of knew that like when he hired me, it was like, I, I laid it out like pretty obvious. I was like, man, like I have been working at making this shop successful for like the last 10, 11 years of my life. Uh, so like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that successful and your business is like second to it. So like, if you're going to have me work here, it's got to work the way I want it to work or else you're not going to have me. <laughs> got to come in hot with the, uh, with the demands. Like, you know, I'm like, like not to sound cocky dude, but like, you know, like I said, I've been working for myself for a long time. Like I, I knew how to run that shop better than that dude did. So to my point was he told me after one year of being there that the, the place was a body shop and it was a mechanic shop. And he said that the amount of money that the mechanic end of the business made, meaning brake jobs, radiators, things like that, um, doubled in the first year I was there. Shit. So by the time I left, it was fucking astronomically higher than that. Yeah. So, I mean, he, it's like a win-win, like for the two of you, you know, you're got something to tie it over in the meantime. And then he's also getting a lot more business than he was before. Yeah. Now, how did it work with, I, you said Emma was at Valvoline before. Yeah. Are there, like, were there things where you both had to be on the same thing at, at the same time, like to go over how to do a oh, thing? Absolutely. Even the most basic car jobs I struggle with. So I can't imagine how much she would have to like, there's so many things to learn about cars. Oh yeah. And um, not only was she learning about cars, I mean, she's learning, um, metric bikes she's learning american bikes she's learning cars trucks you know i do trailer services i do snowmobiles you know there's a lot that like i will take on so like coming to work with me is kind of a a bigger challenge because like not everybody grew up doing it the way i was doing it you know so like right there's a lot to learn you know you're not just learning one thing you're learning fucking a variety yeah, that's that's, but, that's kind of what I mean. It's like you don't have. It's not like you're just doing Harley's, you know. If if yeah, pretty much if it fucking if it pulls up to the door and I can see dollar signs, dude, I'm taking that job. You know? <laughs> that's <laughs> it, that's, dude. That's my motto, man. If I can see a fucking buck rolling through that door, I'm taking it, dude. If, you know, if I have the tools and the ability, why not? Yeah, and honestly, I, I like your attitude on that. There was a there was a frame job actually that I was thinking I wouldn't involve myself in and you were like I think you should I think you should take this on like you could definitely do what this guy needs you to do and that little push was a good thing in the right direction and I ended up being a profitable job for me so I I, I like the attitude and I think I remember that I think that was the job where you you gave me a quote and I was like yeah no I'm gonna tell him more than that yeah exactly (laughs) because i'm like well i don't know what the is a type of job i'd never seen before and i didn't even know what things like that went for you know that's the thing about like kind of um what's unique about like our shop in particular and um you know huge a huge part of that is is my or our group of friends like 
we can pretty much get anything done. So a lot of people roll in here with like really weird shit. Like I think that like that guy had been searching for someone to straighten that frame for like five years or something. He said. Yeah, I ended up talking with him quite a bit about it, and he he bought that bike back in the eighties, and and he got in a wreck in it. I think he said in the late nineties. Yeah, and then okay. it just sat. Yeah, so you know that guy had been looking that long for someone to deal with that. So like, you know, you got to remember too. A lot of times in, in that situation, you can kind of name your price. You right, know, you're you're the guy. You know what I mean? Like you're you're the dude. You know? And you're the dude for all for so many different things when it comes to, like you said, cars, bikes, snowmobiles, trailers. It's a lot of stuff to be the dude for. How do you how do you decide how long a thing's gonna take and whether this is a thing that you're gonna work on or something that you're gonna have Emma work on? Uh so a lot of it is just from experience, like uh you know, uh, I've been working at, as a side business now for like 11 plus years. So like, I've always had that same attitude that maybe in my younger days, it was a little bit of overconfidence. So like, yeah, I can fix anything. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah. you know, you get yourself into a lot of shit situations and you kind of learn like, okay, maybe next time, like, okay, we got through that job. I thought it was going to take me two hours but it took me fucking six hours. So next time we're going to charge fucking six or seven hours on that job, you know? So there's a lot of like learn as you go kind of shit like that. Right. A couple and where you like, lose your shirt on it and then you have to write that down in the notes for next time. There's a lot of shit you lose on, especially with this type of job or like I said, I'll kind of take on anything, but you know, you might lose on it one time, but you're never going to forget it. Right. You know, that's for sure. And as far as like assigning jobs, because I, I mean, right now it's, I work here, obviously six days a week. Emma works here six days a week. Uh, Joey works here on Saturdays. And then I got dead Kevin here uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. So like, I kind of just take on anything. And then I just like look around and I'm like, okay, even sometimes it's just a, like a portion of a job. Like, Maybe I'll take the whole thing apart and put the internals in. And then like when it comes time to just button it up, I'll just like hand it over to Kevin or I'll hand it over to Emma. You know what I mean? Emma also does like 99% of like the business end of like Fat Man Customs. Like she writes every quote, like every invoice, every email. Um, you know, like I, she has the phone right now. Like I don't have, you know, I'm, I'm on my backup phone. You know, she's, if the business phone rings right now, she answers it. Um, so most of the time nowadays, she's probably dealing with that more so than wrenching, unfortunately, which I know she's not like thrilled about, but like, that's part of it, I guess. You know? It's a big part. I'm actually, sure it's a big part of it. Yeah. She's done like a way better job at handling the business end of it than I ever have in the past 10 years. Like, you know, people people come in and tell me they're like how professional we sound and I'm like that's because you're not talking to me buddy like, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to me dude but you would know like right away like yeah know, find the feeling errors and shit like you know like, sure so and like you said that, yeah everybody's good at different things. Bro, like, 
immensely. Just her, her, her doing that has been like, you know, really the transition, you know, that's what allowed us to get out of rain. Gotcha. It was, it was basically like being able to take in more business. Yeah. The organization, the, like, I'm a fucking mess, man. Like I can fix anything. But it's like super hard for me to even remember who I told because I like like I said, dude, I'll say yes to anything. Yeah. You know? And then like I won't know what's coming in, dude. I just open the door on Monday morning and I don't know what the fuck's gonna roll through the door. And uh that's not really such a great way to go through fucking life, I guess. But maybe <laughs> you know. So, Gotta like, get the Amazon planner going, like, you know. You know, she's kinda like taking the reins and like, you know, started like you know, now we have like a legit schedule and like, you know, like I can look, look at like the appointment book and be like, no, I definitely can't fix that today. Like, you know what I mean? That's, that's gotta be a great thing to have coming from not doing it to then like, oh yeah. Okay. I know exactly. Like, I've always kind of tried to do it, but like, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm a, I'm a fucking mechanic, dude. Like I, I, I own the business, but like at the end of the day, I'm a mechanic. Yeah. Like, so you guys were in this, this Raymond shop working out of that side unit. I actually got to see it toward the tail end of your time there. Um, when you had the, I think you had the shovel up on the lift at that time. Oh, I'm sure that I was, I started the, uh, the five speed swap when we were still in that shop. That's right. And yeah, actually the listeners are probably wondering, don't worry, we are going to get into the motorcycle side. We got to get into the the shop spaces first. So it was definitely a tricky space to work out of. It was, it was narrow and the space was like, what, maybe 20 feet long. I think it was um, 16 and a half wide by like 24. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think 16 by 24. So when I came by to pick up that frame for that, uh, for the straightening job there, that was the first time getting to see it. And in the winter time you were out there, that whole, that whole inside of the shop was like, it's a steel building. So it was freezing in there. Oh yeah. It was frigid. It was miserable. The only heat we had was, uh, a DeWalt torpedo heater. So we were out there like filling the propane tank like every couple of days. Like it was rough. And the thing about the torpedo heater was it, it, it like doesn't have a thermostat. So you just turn it on and it would like fucking turn that building into like an oven. And then you shut it off and less than three minutes later, it'd be right back to freezing. So it was like this constant like game of like sweating, freezing, sweating, freezing. Dude, it is, there is definitely something to be said about the tenacity to fucking run with that for, um, what was it? Oh, it was over a year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, we moved in here um, three months ago, I think. Yeah, and so if we're, right now we're in June, so three months ago would have been March, and you moved into that other place right around February, so almost exactly a calendar year. Yeah, it was uh, it was probably like one of the rougher years I've had in business. To be honest with you, like the the transition from 
moving to Boston to New Hampshire was definitely not easy. Like we're just now surpassing where we were when we were in the Boston area. Really? It's been up three years now, I think. And what do you what do you attribute that to? Like, what was the diff- the most difficult part about making that switch? Um. So, like, the reason I moved to like New Hampshire was like pretty much like you know a lot of things in my personal life went shitty, and um, I kind of when I moved up here, I mean, I, like I was literally living in my car. If you remember, I and, do like, sleeping sleeping on Loctite's couch and like wherever I could kind of crash and just like you know fucking you know i had the sanctuary of being in loctite's garage during the fucking day so that i could continue to like try to make something out of my business but like uh, you know it, it just you know it takes a little while to get your foothold in a new place you know yeah for sure dude especially so like now, trying to move all your clientele up there too yeah so like you know a lot of it too was actually getting that full-time job and so many people met me because it was a small car garage and uh so many people would roll in there and realize that like they'd look around the corner and see all the bikes and shit or see like you know my bike out front and they'd start talking to me and they'd realize like oh shit this kid fixes bikes and you know it becomes kind of like a word of mouth thing right you know, especially like up here it's like all word of mouth dude. like it, you can you know it's such a more small town thing than the boston area so, like, if you have a good reputation, it spreads pretty fast. So, once I, once I had enough people that knew I was here and knew the shit that I could do and, like, knew that, you know, like, this place isn't just, like, another, you know, kid changing oil on fucking Harleys. Like, you know, we can do some pretty fucking crazy shit out of here. And if I can't do it, I have a friend that can, you know? Right. So, once, once that word gets out there, it's like, you know, that's what you know makes you fucking you know that's basically what happened to raymond once, once the word was out man it was like all of a sudden it, it, it was like you know the first time i came on the show i said you know you gotta you gotta like look at it right if you can make more money on a weekend than you can all week it's time to go full time right i remember this discussion yeah you know and like that same thing happened again where i'm looking at it dude and i was making more paying fucking paying joey on a saturday paying emma throughout the week i'd make more on a fucking saturday afternoon than i would the whole week working for this dude and that just means uh you know fucking it's time to go back to it so here we are yeah that's true man and you you definitely have like ground through the shitty spots where things were where there was no heat or like no house that you were living in so kudos I'm the definition to don't give up, man. I'm stubborn as fuck. Like, yeah, you're gonna I, make this I, shit I work. Like I, I fucking decided, you know, a long time ago that this is what I was gonna do. And one way or another, this was gonna work. You know? And like, dude, we're fucking crushing here. Like now that now that we're set up again, man, I mean, I'm bigger than I ever was in Melrose. So let's talk about here. Let's talk about this new space because you were in the Epping one, or excuse me, you were in the uh, Raymond shop. You guys yeah. grew and then you moved out now to Brentwood. Yeah. And I, I quit the full-time job and now it's just back to doing this full-time. 
it is fucking wild to see that transformation from, from being in Melrose when we first met you, we actually still have the, uh, we had that big pod, that black vinyl podcast sign that Maddie oh, yeah. had made for us. And your sticker is on it. You were like one of the first people we met through doing the show. And it's crazy to think, and the sticker still says Melrose. So tuck in. That's one thing I've learned is you don't put the, you will never find Fat Man Custom merchandise that has a city on it again. Right. Yeah. Just leave it off. We fucking float around, bro. You never know where I'll be. That's it, dude. I actually learned my lesson with that too. Don't put a fucking, well, I guess you have to put a phone number on it, but my, my shit got so blown up with spam after that. I had to change my number and now I got to change the logo. (laughs) It's fucking. So that's, like a, that's like a thing is if you're if you're like a public phone number dude you're like you know what the do not call list is yeah so like if you're just like a regular person you could be on the do not call list the moment your phone number gets linked to a business they take you right off the do not call list which means you're fucking open to all the motherfucking spam dude yeah dude like, it got bad i had to change that number and i'm sure whoever has that number now hates their fucking life bro i fucking literally like i enjoy the spam calls at this point like i fucking fuck with those dudes so bad <laughs> dude, like i got one earlier i'm like it's it, and like not to be racist dude you know like right away dude like if some indian dude's calling you talking about you fucking direct tv at&t bullshit oh yeah like like come on dude like i'm not fucking down uh, like, yeah are you you must be here in brentwood yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you're right down the fucking street, huh? <gasps> yeah. So, like, I'll fuck with them. I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, hello, can I? Because that's the other thing, dude. I no longer answer the phone. Like, you know, thank you for calling Fat Man Custom Motors. Hello, can I help you? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, actually, just, I called you the other day and you were like, thanks for calling Fat Man Custom Motors. And I'm like, it's just your homie, actually, but that's very nice of you. Yeah. So, I try not to answer the phone like that. I try to just go, hello, can I help you? Right. Because that. Yep leaves it open if it's a spam call like you know they'll start giving me their pitch and i'll be like yeah i just need you to stay on the line for one more minute this is the raymond police department you're on a recorded line with tracy mccall blah 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 it'll bug the fuck he'll be like no 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 please do not bro it'll fucking hang right up dude damn that's fucking i gotta start they'll using that one off that list legitimately they'll take you off their own list when you do that shit to them this is good to know. This is good info for you get you listeners out there starting a business. Don't get fucking bogged down in the spam. Just pretend you're the police department. Yeah, legit. That's probably illegal, but like do it. <laughs> you just gotta let them know though. <laughs> Yo, it's illegal to try to scam my ass. Fuck you. Like, this is true. So dude, Brentwood, this brand like, space is a porn party, all kinds of shit, dude. <laughs> like I got one dude that they told me that my direct TV service was going out. And I was like, dude, you cannot let that happen. I have a huge porn party here tomorrow. I got multiple guests coming over. We need to watch Debbie Does Dallas, blah, blah, blah. Like, got into it with this dude. <laughs> Started going through steps on how to fix it. Like, I was, you know, making up numbers for the dude. I'm like, yeah, my password is fucking 6669FU. <laughs> He's just dude, like going through it. Yeah, dude, they can't hang up. That's like their whole job. They're like into it. They're like, yeah, we got one on the hook. And then afterwards, like, they're like, They'll, you'll hear that moment of clarity where they just go fucking silent for a second and then just like, oh fuck, click. <gasps> fuck, dude. People, yeah. Just waste their time, dude. Waste their time. They'll take you off a list. 
I got or yeah, if I if I ever put this net this new number out there, fucking this this is how I'm gonna have to avoid the insane amounts of spam calls. But it's you're getting a lot of regular calls too out there in, okay. in Brentwood now because every time I'm at the shop, it's fucking packed. Oh, dude, it's fucking it's that time of year, man. It's fucking leather daddy bike week fucking season up here. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So for the people who don't live up here, Laconia Bike Week is what next week. Yeah, it's uh, June 9th to the 11th. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's starting. Uh, by the time anyone's hearing this, it's already bike week. Oh, no, I lied. It's next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, I lied. So it's not bike week. Fucking go home, guys, if you were on your way up. But, uh, yeah, so what do you get? Uh, what do you get in the most calls on? Uh, you just get, like, a ton of people that, like, you know, they don't touch their bike for the entire year. And then they really want to ride the bike week because they rented a cabin last year. Cause that's how ridiculous Laconia bike week is that you need to like book out a full fucking year in advance. Like that's not even a joke. Yeah. Oh, um, I believe you. So yeah, these dudes will book a fucking cabin like a year in advance. And then like, they'll take their bike out two weeks before bike week and be like, Holy fuck, my bike's not charged, you know? And then, so mm-hmm. like, everybody's like trying to throw you extra money they're like dude i'll give you an extra 500 dollars if this is ready for bike week i'm like dude listen if i could make it happen i would but there's 40 other dudes that have the same problem as you yeah like you know everybody's um, carburetor is fucked up yeah dude like tons of fucking dead batteries and fucking everybody needs this service done and like some people just don't want to drive you know they're like oh i got this long ride to laconia Mind you, Laconia is fucking 40 minutes from here, probably 45 minutes. Yeah, from where you guys are, it is not that far. Right? And people come here and tell me they got this long ride and they really need their handlebars changed before Laconia so that they can be comfortable. I'm like, it's 45 minutes, dude. I could ride a bicycle for 45 minutes. Well, not yeah. but somebody could. Somebody could get <laughs> I'm fat, dude. I'm fat and I got fucking horrible lungs. Like, it's definitely. Yeah, it, it, the people that go to Bike Week, I think, are – that's a perfect description of where they're I used at. to be afraid to do this shit when I came on the show, but then I realized, like, no dude that has a bagger is listening to this fucking show. And if they are, they don't give a fuck and I'm talking shit. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of people that have baggers, I think they understand that, like, this absolutely is the culture with most people that have baggers. Oh, 110%, dude. Like, you know what? You know what got me? I was actually having a conversation on this topic with a guy at work, and this blew my mind. I don't know if you've had anybody say this to you, but uh, he's got a black street glide and it's got lowered bags on it. And I only mentioned the bags because I don't know if a street glide comes with bags or not, but it's a street glide with fairing and bags. It does, yeah, okay. So it's got a fairing and it's got bags, and he was telling me that. He will never put a cup holder on that bike because that's like, that's gay. Like that's the level where you're like, it's too much. That's, I don't that's put, where you, and I was trying to understand. I'm like, well, what is the difference? If you have a fairing in bags, what is the difference of having a cup holder? And he's like, oh, good thing you're like sipping your latte. And I'm like, it's the same shit, dude. You have a whole fairing. Yeah. You have a radio. Like, yeah, he's got a radio. He's an antenna. Does he have like GPS and all that too? Uh, I don't know if he has GPS, but he's got like, he doesn't have like a phone mount. 
I feel like if you got the stretch bags, you probably got the big screen up front with the GPS and the fucking. It's got to be. Yeah. I just don't understand how, like, uh, apparently that's a thing with the with the bagger people is they just don't want. He's not the first person I've heard say it, too, like shitting on cup holders as being like some old man bike shit. And I'm like, bro, you're on one. <laughs> this is like. You are riding a, a cup holder. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It's a two-wheeled cup holder. Do not be shy about slapping one on there. Like that is like the least gay thing on your bike. Like, dude, yeah, like not for nothing. Like, but Lockheed has a cup holder on his bike, and his bike's fucking sick. Dude, that's what I was telling him. I was like, dude, I will put a cup holder on my bike because I want to have my coffee on my way to work, and it's like easier if I just like have something there, and then I can take the bike to work. Yeah, dude, I have a bag on my sissy bar from the Army Barracks that, like, holds a fucking large dunk-sized coffee. Like, fuck you. I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gay. I'm I just love this coffee. So cool as fuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's definitely – there's there's some, some strange things to the community. But you, I'm sure you're getting a lot of, like, people doing fluids, like, got to oh, yeah. do fluids changes – that's got to be a good a good job to come in because it probably takes you guys no time at all. I love like dudes that don't change their own oil. I'm like, cause like, especially like, like the fucking bagger crowd, dude. They are comparing my prices to Harley Davidson, so like they look at me like, like I'm a fucking god, dude. Like, yeah, like, you're not gonna charge me nine hundred dollars to change my fluid. They're like, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, man. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) I buy like a hundred pack of the drain plug O-rings on Amazon every year, you know, and then like buy the oil by like the case and dude, like, yeah, dude, that's just super profitable. Right. Dollar for dollar. That's got to be a fucking sweet job to take on. Yeah, absolutely. dude. That handlebars. I love swapping handlebars. Like, like on a, on a fucking, bike with a fairing it's like five six hundred dollars to swap handlebars damn dude yeah but i could see why if there's like a shit ton of wires that you have to extend and all that that's just the labor dude if you're if you don't have the parts like now you're talking like whatever the cables the fucking wires the fucking dude there's a lot of money to be fucking made swapping handlebars on baggers dude dude there was a guy that i that i knew that used to ride with us that had a road king and he yeah. wanted to put taller apes on his road king and he was stoked that it only came out to a thousand bucks like for like the bar like everything like the bars putting them on and all the stuff and i was like holy shit dude he was like very like this price was very exciting to him and i'm like i would die if someone handed me a bill to change the handlebars <laughs> for a thousand bucks this guy called yesterday right i gave him a quote i just fucking told him six hundred dollars no parts you know what I mean? And that's just like, that's a, that's like, seems like a lot to me for handlebars. And this dude told me that like, that was like the best quote he had gotten. And he actually canceled an appointment with another shop because my price was so much better. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I could have gone more. Fuck, I should have gone 800. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm like, fuck. Like, you know, like, well, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough to keep a pulse on what everybody else is charging for every other job. So I actually started this year. Like at the beginning of the season, I fucking called like every other shop around. Yeah. Like, like star six, seven, so they can't see my number. Yeah. And like, uh, 
like old school dude, and fucking got everybody's labor rate. And then, like you, sometimes, sometimes if I don't know, like I'm like, man, what the fuck should I charge for that? Like I will just like call other shops and like, or I'll just have Emma call other shops and be like, um, yeah, so I have this fucking bike and I want to do this. Like, how much are you charging? <laughs> yeah like pretend like we're the customer and get quotes from like other shops dude yeah well i mean how else do you find out right i mean we have uh, um um labor guide parts manual service manual and electrical manual every book from 2016 all the way down to 1929 so like i have as far as harley davidson i can look up every factory time like how long it's supposed to take from the factory and then sometimes you you know you, you got to add a little bit because you know like okay well that was the factory time 16 years ago but it's probably rusted in place now you know what i mean that's a good point so as, yeah as far as harley stuff like i kind of have like a really good guide and then for cars i have um there's a program on my computer called all data yep and that is like a it's like a streaming thing where, or, or whatever you would call it, like online service. And that has um, every car manual pretty much ever made. It's like an online database. And um, that has like, you can literally, I can look up a labor time for any automotive job. So like, you know, I have a Mustang, you know, I'm looking on my lift right now. I have a, you know, a 2004 Cobra and I'm doing lifters on it. So I can just literally open my phone and go put in, you know, 2004 Ford Mustang Cobra 4.6 liter and click on lifters. And it says, you know, supposed to take 6.6 hours, for instance, you know? Right. So, but the biggest struggle is the metric bike world, dude, because no one, no, nobody wants to work on metric bikes. So like, it does seem that way, huh? Dude, like I actually make a lot of money working on metric bikes because nobody wants to do it especially older metric bikes like the newer stuff isn't so tough because they can still go to the dealership but like nobody wants to work on your 1977 um xs fucking or xj 650 you know i I did a a cafe hoop on a back of xj the other day like and the guy said he had called a ton of shops looking for someone to work on it and everybody pretty much laughed at him and said they wouldn't touch it I believe it, man. Because honestly, when I had the XS650, I remember trying to call shops to say, hey, can somebody work on this 76XS? And everybody was like, not a chance, dude. Yeah, it's tough. So the problem with that, though, you know, to get back to the pricing thing is like, you know, you don't have any kind of a guide or anything when it comes to that type of stuff. So a lot of it is based off of, you know, either personal experience or, you go back to the other thing and you try to find, even if it's a shop like super far away, you know what I mean? You can just call, even if it's in fucking Kentucky, you know, call somebody else and pretend you're, pretend you're that dude that needs that shit done. And what would it cost? It's true. So, yeah. Cause you, know, you got to find out somehow. I remember doing that with, uh, I didn't have to call them cause, cause luckily people had, had, told me that they had gotten quotes at these other places. But when I was trying to figure out what to charge for a hardtail, that was a tricky one too, because I'm like, well, not a lot of people are doing them. And it's definitely, 
more of a niche job doesn't come in every day, but when it does, it's like, how much do you charge for something like that? You gotta, you gotta see what other people are charging. Yeah. That's kind of the thing is like, you know, you can't, some of the stuff you don't want to base off of like, well, yeah, it takes me four hours, but like, you know, but I'm the only dude in America doing it. You know what I mean? So like, right. You kind of got the market market corner. You know what I mean? Like, so like, you know, tip to anybody that's in business is like, definitely compare what you're charging to other people. Cause you'd be surprised. I believe it. Yeah. I'm sure that, that, that a lot of people don't. And I think as, as small businesses, until people get to the, the level that you're doing it at, where you've been doing it for years, I think it's really easy to undervalue the work you're doing. Oh, 100. So many people do that. They like, you know, in, like I said, even that story earlier with you fixing the frame, like you, you've done it to yourself. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know, we, we all do. You know, everybody does. I did it when I first started doing hardtails too. And then I was like, I, I saw the amount of time I was spending on them and the amount of stress <laughs> that it caused me. And I would like, be up all night just being like oh, man like sweating the smallest detail of of every part of the install and i was like you know i got to a certain point where i was like if i'm gonna keep doing this it i have to charge what my whole day is worth because it very well could take it and maybe it does maybe it doesn't but <clears throat> dude not only that a lot of things that people don't realize like especially with stuff that like you or i do or or Loctite does, you know, um, there's a risk involved, dude. You know, we are like, not only are we doing the job, but we're taking a risk. Like we, we're putting our lives on the line just as much as we're putting these people's lives on the line. Because if I do a brake job on the front of a motorcycle and the caliper falls off and locks the guy's wheel up or, or you know, the axle nut falls off and, the, and you know, like – my life, you know, that guy might die, but my life's pretty much over too, man. You know what I mean? Right. Cause you're going to get sued for everything. You know, you might weld up a frame and, you know, maybe it's the dude in like, that's the other thing is it might not even be anything to do with what you did, but, but some fucking lawyer decides it's something to do with what you did. So now you got to go to court over it and prove that what you did wasn't the fucking problem. You know what I mean? Right. And I actually, to that point, I had a, a terrible realization with this when I put uh, I got a tire from a buddy of mine for free because somebody at the dealership put, had it put on their bike and it ended up, they, they said they didn't like the vintage tread. I don't know what that means. I don't know if the vintage tread talks to you when you ride on it or something, but he said he didn't like the vintage tread. Uh, so he gave the tires back and the dealership swapped them out. I ended up with one of these tires it was a Coker super classic and I had just done the hardtail on the bike. I mounted the fucking wheel um, and the fucking bike shook like a motherfucker And the whole time. I'm thinking to myself, Oh my God, dude, what if I messed up my hardtail? Like hey, what if I put it on crooked dude? Yeah. What if I, you know, what if something was cocked and then I'm thinking like, oh, this was a shovel head hardtail and I put it on an Evo. Maybe it was never meant to be like this. And it just, I could not get that shake to go away. Had the tire balanced, still didn't go away. And come to find out 
after I swapped that tire for a different tire, that there must have been a reason that guy returned it. And it must have had a fucking defect because as soon as I put a different tire on, it rides smooth as glass. But it and after I found that out, I was stoked to find I didn't mess up the hardtail. But then I think to myself, what if that was somebody else's bike? And they're like, dude, you fucked up the hardtail. <laughs> you know, like that's what's dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there's a lot of risk involved and like, you know, the money that you make in this industry isn't always just money that you're making for your labor, dude. Sometimes it's, you know, it's money that you were willing to take the risk and that you are confident enough in your skill set to take that risk. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I can weld, I mean, but I don't weld the hardtails on here. You weld the hardtails on, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and you I know, don't do so, any of the mechanic work. It's like, it's just, it's not something I feel comfortable with. And, you know, it's so it was like, it's that it's, that's part of it, dude. You got to be like fucking smart enough to know what risk to take. And you're, you still have to charge money for that risk, you know, and the years point. of experience it took for you to be able to confidently take that risk, dude. You know, like when you first started welding, you probably wouldn't have welded a hardtail on. You know what I mean? I've been welding for fucking 10 years. I still won't weld the hardtail on. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, it takes time before you feel like you're ready for it. You know, so you got to remember a a lot of what you're charging for in your business is your skill set and the risk that you took. That's a really good point about the risk is that like, I just never thought of that concept. Like I always knew about the idea that it's, that, that certain things are risky, but not that like as a person doing business in this industry, your willingness to take to confidently take on that risk. <clears throat> exactly. If nobody does, then nobody's getting their bikes hardtailed or nobody's getting their motors built or nobody's getting the brakes done if nobody's willing to take the risk. Yeah. And like and you know, so like a lot of times unfortunately, like the it's like hazard pay, you know what I mean? Like Right. Yeah. Those dudes that go like super high up, fucking a million feet in the air, and weld the fucking, you know, tip of a fucking building or or like the top of a skyscraper or a crane or whatever. Those dudes get hazard pay. You know what I mean? Right. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. You know? Essentially, like sometimes you got to remember to charge for your hazard pay. That's a great descriptor that I've never heard, but I love it. <laughs> it's the hazard pay. A dude for real, like. It's all part and parcel, dude. It's like, and, and like shit like that is, is how you get, you know, out of the shed and, and into a place like this, dude, is starting to learn that shit, you know? Yeah, agreed. And it's it like, is, yeah, dude, you got to learn to like, dude, like, like I said, I always compare myself. I'm like, dude, you could go here or you could go to Harley Davidson. Like, go look at what the fuck Harley Davidson charged. And I don't feel bad at all. Like, right and that's a that's a good a good benchmark to compare it against because for the stuff you're doing that's really who you're comparing with because yeah that's where most people will probably go for a lot of this stuff and that's if harley even does the thing that the customer's asking you to do exactly dude there's so much of it that you don't especially being like a chopper dude like oh, yeah. you know People come in here with like the weirdest shit, dude. Like I am not, it's funny. I don't get like a lot of full builds for people. Like I don't get a lot of full chopper builds, but what I get a lot of is the fucking tail end of a chopper build. 
like the dudes that come in here huh from what part on usually like dude it'll come in here and be like dude the, the whole thing is built but there's no paint on it and i can't get it to run right and you know for some reason uh, I, my headlights not working you know i'll get like a lot of like that end of it like i think you actually sent there's a guy here now um kenny oh shit kenny yeah kenny and, and you know his bike is pretty much complete oh he ended up getting that over to you that's awesome dude yeah yeah it's here i got it i got it running pretty good it's the wrong jets um so it's got a little bit of a lean issue yep um but i synced him up dude and that like that little bike fucking rips down the road dude yeah dude i actually rode it he he had it here uh not that long ago and um and this is a good point too like when you said like somebody in our friend group does all the things I had done the hardtail for that bike. I did the seat mount. I did like all the yeah. work I did. And then he came to me at that tail end and was like, you know, I just can't get the carbs. Right. And I was like, I know who can. So yeah. you take it to that guy because <laughs> it, yeah, I'll exactly. just be fucking around with the carbs forever. And it, it's just not my work. <clears throat> so it's great to be able to say like, here's a person that can get you over the finish line now even though that's not something that I can help you with. Yeah. So I, I get a ton of that stuff, you know? So like, I just synced up Kenny's carbs. I get it like a, so, but like a lot of that shit is like, you know, dudes will come in and they'll be like, it, it's just like a weird particular wiring issue or a weird, like they put this carburetor on this bike and now it doesn't run right. Or like, you know, so well, like a lot of the stuff like that, dude, there is no benchmark of, where do you charge for that? You know? Right. Yeah. All the, dude, the, the custom stuff. Cause when you were talking about book times too, I was thinking about that. Like there are so much of what, well, what so we much do. of what I do and, and probably a good portion of what you do. They're no, just a huge book time. Of it. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. How long does it take to mount a fender? You know, like it will, it depends how complicated yeah. is the setup? Like what kind of fender it's. Yeah did it come as a kit you know what i mean or is it some universal thing you know what i mean are we cutting a chain cut out or did it come with a chain cut out is it you know? rusted or uh, do i have to do very minimal prep you know like all these little things yeah, make a huge exactly difference. exactly that you know that's another you know people roll in here with this fucking you know they'll be like can you make me a fender mount or something and i'm like yeah i can make you a fender mount on what and they'll just be like, oh, I have this fucking random fender from this fucking, you know, 1978 Harley, and I want to put it on this fucking 2004 Honda Rebel. And I'm like, yeah, there's no book time for that. It's, how much is it going to be? I don't know. I have no fucking idea how long that's going to take. Yeah, I have to look at it and see. Yeah, I can't even, half the time you can't even look at it, dude, because you're just like, you would have some of the stuff that people roll in here with because it's got the name custom on the building, dude, they're like, well, how much? And I'm like, I would have to take it apart. Like, I don't know, dude, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. Like time and material. I'm going to have to, I have to start doing that with people. Cause like, I always try to like throw out an estimate and there are times when it, it literally is just like almost impossible. Yeah. A lot of times I'll just say to people, I'll be like, you know, I've never done that. I know I'm capable of doing it. Um, and it, but if you can find someone that's done it to give you an estimate, you know, I'd be more than happy to match it. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a good, uh, yeah. good, good compromise on it. 
if you can find someone else to give you a quote on welding that 72 Harley Fender on the back of your fucking rigid fucking Honda Rebel, you know, with an exact number, <laughs> I'll match that quote. I'll, you know. Yeah. Go get that <laughs> mocked up. <laughs> yeah. If you have that number, if you can find me that number, hell, if you can find that number on the internet, I'll match that number. It's like, yeah. it's just part of how it is here, dude. Like, you know, the chopper industry is like, you you never know what the fuck's going to roll through the door. Definitely not. And some weird shit has rolled through the doors for Without sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. Put the word custom in your name, dude. You'll see some, some weird shit show up. Yeah, dude. It definitely, I can only imagine what people are rolling over there with. So, yeah, I mean, this like, you know, and it's not just bikes. It's like this week I worked on, you know, I had a Monte Carlo in here, uh, 1987 Monte Carlo SS. And I, you know, came in cause it was leaking out of the water pump. I opened the hood and I start looking around and I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's not a stock motor. It turned out it was a 1996 Chevy crate motor, a ZZ four crate motor. And, uh, so that turned into a whole lot of research as to like what pump we needed, what belts we needed. You know, it, it changes the game a little bit, you know? Right. Yep. All yeah. of a sudden it's a different just, job. Yeah, exactly. Now, instead of just being able to look up the belt for a 1987 Monte Carlo, I got to count the ribs and I got to take a measurement. You know what I mean? I got to put the alternator in the center of the, the bracket, uh, uh, the center of the adjustment and, and, you know, take a measurement and fucking then go and research, you know, what belt has that many ribs in that roughly that amount of length, give or take a fucking inch or two, you know, oh, there's a yeah. lot to it in custom shit, you know, for sure. That's the level, that's the stuff where, like, perfect example, our primary swap, that whole thing was like an endeavor that was in 100% on your end. And I was just like, oh, this is fantastic that he knows how to figure this out, (laughs) you know, but it's like, that whole thing was like, how do you take the, if you want to swap the primaries on a fucking shovel head and an Evo and use half of one and half of the other how do you make those parts yeah. in the shop yeah exactly which pieces you know it's and and it's like it's almost like having that you know that book bob always talks about what fits what yep you know but it just didn't go high enough in years for what we were doing yeah i was gonna know? say i'm like what fits what but too late <laughs> yeah edition two or some shit you know what i mean like not the cool yeah. kids edition yeah, seriously, not the not the twenty thousand dollar chops edition. Yeah, exactly. This is the three thousand dollar chopper edition. Three thousand dollar choppers is the fucking ballpark. Yeah, dude. I'm trying like, to be I, always, dude. Oh man, if 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 uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say it publicly. People have only knew what I had into my fucking chopper, dude. They shit. I don't want to say it out loud because I want one of you motherfuckers to buy it eventually. That's right. Yeah, you got to leave it. <laughs> leave it for the yeah, guests. This is mystery, dude. But like, yeah, we did well. For sure. But yeah, that, that whole swap was was dope. And actually, on that note, how are you liking, how are things with the shovel? And how are you liking the, the new five-speed in it? Uh, yeah, so the five-speed is fucking amazing. I can't believe you swapped for a four-speed. It blows my mind. <laughs> The only thing I do, I do kind of miss my uh, panhead style primary, you know, the the diamond primary that I had on there. I kind of miss that look. 
Oh, that's yeah. right, because you have my outer on there now. Yeah, I have the, the full aluminum primary and that thing. It's kind of chonky, but the benefit of not having to listen to the dry clutch, that's pretty rad. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't like that sound, dude? Dude, so, like, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people are into that shit, but, like, as a mechanic, right, when you're driving around, right, so, like, my job for the last 11 years has been to ride motorcycles and to listen to funny noises, right? And most of my career has been evolution and twin cam focused, right? So when you're riding around on a fucking dry clutch shovel with an open primary, you know what I mean? Right. You hear shit and like, dude, it does this like fucked up thing where it triggers me to like, it like puts me into work mode when I don't want to be in like work mode where I start listening to every tick and every rattle and every fucking, you know what I mean? So like, and even if I don't focus on it, you know, I'll be like, I'll be riding and all of a sudden my ear will just catch it just such a way. Like I'll drive by something and it'll echo. And all of a sudden I'm just like wicked into the motor and listening to the bike and not enjoying my ride. I know what you mean about the driving by something and hearing it. I, but not with the dry clutch. I, I hear that noise when I drive by people with the open chain primary. It's very, oh, absolutely. and uh, I'll drive past the car and all of a sudden I hear the, and then it'll go away. And I'm like, what was that? And then yeah. you pass another car and you hear it briefly. And that one gets me a little bit, but if I come to a light and I have the dry clutch sound going as I'm sitting at the light, I love it so much. I'm watching other people to, to watch them hear it and wonder what that noise is. Oh, that's funny as fuck. I'm just See, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm like, it could yeah, just be right? like <laughs> yeah, I could just be like going into a corner and I want to downshift right before the corner. And as I squeeze the clutch, you got to remember too, like I've had a lot of shift boxes, dude, you know, you know me, dude, I blow shit up, dude. I'm not gentle on anything. Right. So like if I hear a noise, dude, it starts to like I'm like, oh fuck. You know, I mean it was what was it a month ago I locked the tranny up on the way to the dance and slid out at fucking fifty-five. True, like, dude. Yeah, I forgot about that. You know what I mean? So like I'm always alert because I'm I'm fucking ignorant to these motorcycles, dude. I love doing burnouts. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> the, I, I could imagine if you're beating on it that it, it feels a little more clunky i guess and also the difference too is that like i'm shifting it with my hand and i don't know if it feels any different to me than it did oh, i'm sure dude that was actually like yeah dude, i hated the throw but like it probably helps with the with your situation dude it is i'll tell you this it is easier i never and people said that this would be the opposite and it probably is with your foot on the stock cow pie setup with that dual like linkage thing or whatever but i can get i can find neutral easier on this bike than any bike i've owned that's because there's a neutral between every gear is it no not literally Uh, i'm like (laughs) yeah yeah because the So I will say I had one thing that went, but yeah, so the neutral is super easy to find. Like if I'm, if I'm coasting to a stop, dude, it's so easy to like push with your hand and just like, Oh, there's neutral. It, you never miss it. Um, It used to have a thing in the beginning. I think this was part of just like breaking it in and changing the oil or something, but uh, used to be when I was going from, from third down into second, 
it had this weird thing for like a week where if I didn't blip the throttle as I let the clutch out uh, on the downshift, then it would just miss and go into neutral. But if I blip the throttle, it would like catch properly. And then it just went away. It just doesn't do that anymore. If, if it's fucking perfect. It was like a clutch adjustment thing and like it kind of wore itself or whatever. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Maybe just over time, the pads like, because they were brand new too. Yeah, maybe it was just grabbing a little too hard or something. Yeah, but that shit went away and now it's been like fucking super smooth. For the foot clutch, it's definitely the way to go. But I could definitely see if you were doing regular foot shifting. Well, I had the I had the hand set up on that thing initially. I had that. Remember, I had that big Hurst shifter, the tank shift. Oh, dude, I forgot about that. Yeah, dude. And so, like, my big bitch with what my because I, you know, I have the my shoulders fucked up, so I can't reach back like you do. Yeah, or else I just like blow my shoulder out. So whenever I got to do the you know the hand shift shit i always do that tank setup like we built on the xs right and um my bitch with it was the throw was so far because i have to have like a linkage set up you know what i mean i have to have a pivot point yeah you know so like there was so much slop in that that i felt like as i rode it to shift i had to pull that thing like almost to my fucking chest to shift the gear it was like like oh yeah really far with the length of that rod, I could imagine that being, yeah, it would have an insane distance of travel. Yeah. So it, it just like fucking that sucks. So then I went back to regular foot shift and then it was just like, you know, it was just like four speeds are just like a much further throw. You know, you, if you're using the foot shifter on a four speed, you pivot your foot so much further to shift gears than you do with a five speed. And like, yeah. Yeah, so like that—that's a huge advantage of the five-speed. And the I other thing about that, because that's true, even on this jockey shift, I will say it goes—it goes a lot further than I was expecting in in both directions. Yeah. yeah, that's even true on the on the four-speed Sportster. Like, if you shift my '89 Sportster, and it has like a much further throw than Emma's five-speed Sportster. I wonder how it compares to the ratchet top. I wonder if the ratchet top's any different with regards to the throw. The five speed is definitely the tightest as far as, as far as that shift's concerned. And the other thing with the five speed, again, like if you, for, for highway, it's still like really like it, it, you know, fifth gear and fourth gear have the same ratio on the big twins. They're, you know, they're still like a one-to-one final drive ratio. Right. So, it doesn't matter on the highway. Like everybody, you know, that's the old fucking rumor. They're like, Oh, for the highway. I'm like, you guys are fucking idiots. Dude. Thank but, you for addressing that. And like, I, I, always I literally hate that, that shit so dude. fucking much, dude. It makes me want to smack people. It's like such an old guy, fucking dumb fucking thing to say. I'm like, if you knew anything about a fucking transmission, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just a fucking nuts idiot. when people all oh, four speed, that thing must scream on the highway. And I'm like, Oh my God. No, it's exactly the same as a five speed. The only thing, the only time that becomes a true statement is when you have a six speed because a six speed has an overdrive in which, which means it's a, a lower than one-to-one ratio. So it decreases the res, but you know, it's literally just for cruising on the highway. Right. But like, until like two unless we're comparing ourselves to like fucking dudes with like 2008 and up motorcycles there is no fucking difference 
Right. Like, it drives me insane. I'm like, you people are fucking retarded. Like, you stop yeah. listening to your fucking your uncle who fucking told you that it's going to rev real high. Don't buy a four speed. Like, right. it I, revs higher in between the gears, but people always want to walk up to you and go, oh, it screams on the highway. Like, no, the fuck it doesn't. Not, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. That's one of those myths that I wish would just stop happening. I love to argue with people about it because, like, I'm pretty educated on the fucking subject. So, like, I love when people come at me with that shit. Oh, here's one I got for you then. Because I was talking about this with some guys at work, and I've also talked about this with a lot of our friends. Now, this is not necessarily... I would start by asking you what octane you run in your bike, but you probably have a higher compression motor in your Sportster than oh yeah, than other people. But like when you hear people say, like, I only run 93 in my Harley because I treat my baby right. Is there truth to that statement or are they just running the wrong gasoline in their bike? Uh, just whatever the fucking manual says, unless you have motor work done. Like, it. It, does, it does not helping it. it in, yeah. I'm it's glad to hear that. Because I, I was talking to a guy. The only time it actually would make a difference is like when you get race gas. Like race gas will make a difference. But like as far as like, like, but yeah, no. Yeah, like people you put, say it's cleaner. People say, oh, I run 93 because it's cleaner. And I'm like, well, you have a low compression motor and you're running high compression gas. If anything, it's going to foul it more because you can't detonate all the fuel because you don't have high enough compression in your motor to even make use of 93 octane. Is there any truth no, to that? Not, that's not true either. It's just that, yeah, no, there's, there's a whole lot that goes into the octane thing. Oh, it's so a rabbit like, hole that at some point, whether it's yeah. on the show or off the show, I want to, I want to go all dude, the way. If you want to get into it, dude, like we can get into it, but like, yeah, let's get into it. Cause I'm, people say this shit all the time and I need to know if they're right or if I'm right, or if it's like somewhere in between. Oh, you're definitely right. Like it doesn't make a difference on 99.9% of motors. Like your stock and, Harley Evo or yeah. like shovel head is not gonna yeah like yeah no whatever the fucking factory says to run because like some engineer has already figured out what's the best octane you know what i mean right um run just that. run that because if if you're running anything above that you're just wasting your money and if you're running anything below that like there's no benefit to running a higher octane than necessary if that makes sense that yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at is that like, like there's also it, it's not going to hurt anything it's it's going to run exactly the same, okay? The only time that you're going to hurt anything is if you run a lower octane than necessary. That will cause your motor to ping. Right. Because your fuel is going to detonate early um, because it can't handle the compression. Does that make right. sense? That, yeah, it's combusting too soon because you have a high compression yeah. motor and it's combusting early, essentially. But if you have a low compression motor and you run a higher octane it's still going to combust at the same point that the lower octane fuel would have combusted at so it's still going to burn all the fuel regardless okay, okay. so you're not going to foul shit up by no it's going to burn it regardless but it's going to burn at the same point where the lower octane fuel would have burned got it so you're just so like, not that it's, bad, it's not getting benefit from your. Extra you're money. literally just burning your money 
at that point. There is zero benefit. Got it. Okay. So, so like, to be fair, I guess the answer was, was somewhere in the middle because I was thinking all the fuel wouldn't combust and that's not true. And also no, definitely combust. got it. Yeah. 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 So it's, so it's just that it's no benefit to you. Yeah. That's just a silly myth. Like, you know, it, it yeah, there's, at the people like tell, if you, people will tell you it runs better. Like the people at work, all of them run 93 octane in their stock Harleys, and all of them are like, it just runs better with 93. And I'm like, I think the, how? I think I'm, I'm like almost sure that it's supposed to be premium in most Harleys now. In the newer ones, yeah. So they're maybe just doing more. the right thing. <laughs> could be, yeah. It could be that they have brand new bikes, and maybe brand new bikes take it. I mean, like I run premium because all my shit is high compression, but you know, I need to. Right. Yeah. It's you need to, you so my, truck, my truck runs on whatever customer gas gets taken out of their bikes because it didn't make their bike run right. That's what goes <laughs> in my truck. That's it, man. You just got to get that thing down the road, whatever it Dude, takes. The shop truck runs on hopes and dreams, bro. <gasps> like, that thing is, whew, she's rough. <laughs> dude it's funny i was in i drove it to hampton beach the other day just for shits and giggles and like i was sitting in traffic right and my shop truck runs like absolute garbage and i refuse to fix it i've had it since i was fucking uh 16 years old i bought it for 700 dollars, dude like it's good and you know it served its purpose i'm done putting money into it kind of thing yeah you know i'm fucking 32 how many years is that you know what i mean like so 16 years yeah 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 so it had a good run so i just kind of like putted around so sometimes when i'm sitting in traffic for too long the thing will just start like running like shit so you just got to like step on the gas a little bit give it a little pep talk you know and hey, uh, you go. And, and uh so i'm sitting there and it starts running like shit and i'm fucking i give it i give it a little fucking rub rub right and this fucking like dude next to me in some kind of ricer car starts like yang yang and i'm like no dude i'm just trying to keep it from stalling like <laughs> not, not trying to race you buddy <laughs> that's not what we're doing here yep just trying to burn off the water that's in the gas that i just took out of some dude's motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's the way it goes you know whatever works whatever gets down the road fucking dude when i was in melrose the town came out and they were like what do you do with the bad gas that you take out of bikes and i was like i put it in my truck and they're like seriously and i was like i swear to fucking god <laughs> do it right now in front of you <laughs> i literally said that to the lady i was like i will pour that fucking can i will take gas out of anything in here and put it in my truck no problem i was like that's right where it goes that's the disposal you go listen nobody runs lower than 87 anywhere so i know it's gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> everything makes the cut around here <laughs> Dude, the shop truck is a 1994 mazda b2300 pickup which is essentially like a knockoff ford ranger with a fucking 2.3 liter dude it makes like it literally makes like the same horsepower as my sportster bro so like Jesus. i'm just happy i'm just happy that it's still going like <laughs> fuck that truck <laughs> like that's fucking awesome like thing is like i think it makes like 90 horsepower at this point it's pretty fucked up hey listen if it, as long as it gets you to point from point a to point b 
That's all that matters, right? Oh, yeah. Save the cool shit for the bikes, and you're good to go. So shovel's running mint now. You got the new transmission in there, new primary on there. Dude, and then I put this fucking shit bum tire on, dude. Speaking of fucking Coker tires, I fucking... Oh, we're going to have put, a shitting on Coker tires party here. I love it. Dude, fucking... I put this Coker Classic on the front of this thing. And, I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, let me give this vintage tread so this thing looks fucking tough, right? Yep. And I put it on. I'm all excited. I'm like, yeah, this thing looks fucking badass. Dude, take it down the road. I'm following fucking... We went for a ride, dude. I'm following dead cabin shit. And on the way back, it looks like it's going to rain. Dude, so I'm like boogieing down fucking 125 where my shop is. And I hit like, Kev's got a speedo. So he said that we hit like 70 miles an hour, dude. Yeah. Dude, literally my fucking vision looked like, like when your phone records a fucking video. <laughs> dude, that's what my fucking vision looked like. Because I was like, wow, Shake this tire runs like shit, dude. That's the shakiest tire I've ever felt in my life. Dude, maybe they're just all like this. Dude, like balanced everything. Like I've been balancing tires for fucking ten years, dude. Like it's balanced. Yeah, it just runs like fucking shit, dude. So that's two. And like, in case you guys didn't catch it, that's a Coker Classic. Mine was a Coker Super Classic, and they both. I think the only ran- difference is the white wall, right, or some yeah, shit. But- yeah, the super class. I just know that the one mine was a white wall. I don't know if that's what they call the super classic is for, but um, both of them same problem. And so maybe, Dude, I'm going to maybe Shinko, not man. yeah. So I replaced it with a Shinko. I actually think they call it the Shinko Super Classic. Um, <laughs> it's the knockoff of the Coker, and I shit you not, <laughs> the knockoff is better than the original. It rides Dude, like so many people are gonna write in right like after this shit. And they're going to argue with us. And I'm going to be like, it's garbage, bro. Yeah. I'm going to tell those people, keep just keep putting 93 in your low compression motor and running fucking, running your fucking Coker tires. But neither one is helping you. Dude, uh, this is like, it literally shakes like a fucking motherfucker. I'm like, uh, dude, I've never, never had a tire so bad in my life. And I think it was, uh, when I put it on, I posted a picture of it. And I think it was Connor Levinson, the fucking reached out to me and he was like that tire is garbage yeah oh good so i'm glad because he is into the older bikes too and i know that that's the market that coker's trying to get into uh so i just want to make sure we make everybody aware they're trash don't fucking don't bother and for the record too it's not like i'm shitting on vintage tread uh the shinko i have is vintage tread the avon speedmaster that i had on my um my xs Vintage tread, that thing ran fine. I had an Avon Speedmaster, uh, or what do they call it? Avon safety mileage on the back, which is like the matching yeah. uh, one. Not a problem. Never had a problem with any vintage tread tire except for Coker. Absolute junk. Uh, dude, I just like, I'm, I don't know, man. I got this tire for free too. Maybe just like, maybe the lesson is never take a free Coker. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> This one was brand new, dude. It literally still had like the little fucking nubbies and the green line on the tire. I was like, rad, free tire. Dude, I really think that they're having problems at their factory because the one that I got also still had the nubbies on it. Dude, I couldn't see like a fucking shifted belt. I can't see anything wrong with the tire. It looks great. It balances up on the fucking truing stand. Perfect. Like. Yep. Then you get out there and it's absolute dog shit. I, it wasn't really terrible until I was at like 
like like like I said, like fifty five and above, dude. Especially when you get to like seventy, dude. Like I never had that experience on a motorcycle. At first, I dude, I kept blinking trying to like straighten my vision out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I just realized that I'm just so violently vibrating that I was like, okay, well, that's not good. Yeah, we got to get this thing the fuck off of here. Yeah, I'm still running it right now because I'm going to fucking run up to that show at Gunstock on it. That's only like a fucking, I don't know, it's probably like 40 minutes to my breakfast spot and then another 40 minutes north, so it ain't too bad. And I'm going to take back roads to keep it, keep it under 55, but like, God, dude, I can't wait to get that tire off of there. Yeah, man, the Shinkos, they, they're fantastic. I ran a, re, a front one last year and now i have the same one on the back and it's the smoothest ride that this bike has ever ridden i like like the knobby looking vintage you know like the almost dirt bike style like that that's yeah. what this one is it's just garbage yeah it's it's weird man I, I actually if anybody's listening that's had a if you regardless whether it's a good experience or a bad experience yeah i'd be curious tire, I want to know about it. So write into the podcast. Tell us if they work for you or if you also thought they were dog shit. Because I would definitely be curious. Yeah, I just want to know if this is an isolated thing or not. Now that I've already shit on them publicly, but <laughs> yeah. let's find out, you know, let's get the uh, the survey going here. Yeah, I'd be curious, dude. I mean, especially because they just like, had a fucking whole thing. They did like a they're selling them on, on lowbrow and lowbrow had like a, a coker. I just kept getting emails about like coker tire showdown um, on lowbrow and seeing what like people were voting on as their favorite coker tire. And I'm now I'm dying to know, like are other people having this problem or was this just the only two bad coker tires in history? I should go like, look at the speed rating. Imagine if like the speed rating on this shit was like 45 mile an hour. Yeah. Right. Like we're out here just talking shit. Like, you know what I mean? I will say mine, I don't know. This is, I don't know if because mine was on the back, if it would be any different, but on mine, there was a spot in every gear at an RPM range where it would shake violently and then stop shaking. Huh. Same thing on the highway. If I was, I don't have a speedo, so I don't know what the speed was, but like there was a speed where it would shake like a motherfucker. And then if I went really fucking fast, like got in the left lane, started passing people, it would go away. But then if I slowed down again, it would come right back. Very bizarre. Don't know what the deal is. But yeah, so right in. Let us know. Yeah, I'm wicked curious. Let me know. And how's Emma's bike running? Uh, I mean, it runs when we were, what was the last show we went to? The last Spotted Chopper show. Yeah, I think that wasn't that one or was it that show in Exeter? One of those two shows. Oh, that's right. You guys went to that. No, I think she rode the sports center with love. Either way, one of those two shows we were ripping back. And um, like when we were at the breakfast spot, actually, yeah. So it was last spot because we were at the breakfast spot. When I was laying down on the ground, um, I looked up and I was like, there's a little spot of oil on Emma's bike. And I was like, hey, something's leaking. We'll check it out when we get back to the shop. And we went to the show, spent the day at the show. And then when we fucking were jamming back here, I fucking looked down and like her bike is just like pissing fucking oil. And by the time we got back here, 
the thing was just puking out the head gasket. So now we got to pull the whole motor out of the act. We actually just got the gaskets in the other day. Um, oh, sick. Yeah, so we got to pull the whole motor out of that thing and fucking rebuild it. Which is, like, kind of to be expected because, like, she bought that bike off this dude in Massachusetts who, like, told us it had been, like, I don't know. I think he said it was, like, a year or something, right? He's like, yeah, I was working on it. And then, like, you know, like, then I had a kid, blah, blah, blah. And he, like, points over to his kid, right? And the kid's, like, fucking nine or some shit. And I'm like, that's more than a year, dude. Like, yeah, right. Like, your kid can walk and shit. So, like, you know. This bike's Um, sitting for some time. Yeah, so, like, he's, like I said, he said in the fucking email, like, sitting for a year, and then, like, he told us the reason it was sitting was because he had a kid, like I said, pointed to, like, a probably eight to ten-year-old child. Yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) what the fuck, dude? That math didn't add up. But we still bought it because we're, you know, fuck it. You know what I mean? If the price is right, Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so she, like, rebuilt literally every piece of that bike except the motor you know she literally just tore it down to like a frame with a motor in it and then redid everything and then redid the electrical system redid the the charging system the ignition everything and um carbs and so like it's been running great but like it's kind of one of those things like it's been running great but we really haven't been hammering on it right so you know that that run to to fucking Haverhill and back, that was probably the first time that bike went over, you know, 55, 60 miles an hour in, you know, 10, 11 years, you know? So like, you know, you just kind of like, you disturb shit on a bike like that, dude, it's bound to happen. Right. You know, nothing, it's not unexpected. That's part of the game, you know? Yep. And it's fairly easy, I'm sure, for you guys to tear into that thing and build it back up. The worst part about it is honestly is with that XS platform is you have to pull the motor out of the frame to rebuild it. Kind of like Rhino's bike, actually. Actually, yeah, we should touch on that. You did uh you did some gaskets on uh on Rhino Sporty. Yeah, so that was uh that was a huge clusterfuck. Shout out to TC Bros for the clusterfuck. Gotta love uh, a good TC Bros clusterfuck. It wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, so um for those of you who don't know, and I don't know how the fuck I am just realizing this, um, when you do a TC Bros hardtail to your Sportster, you know you use the use the engine as the jig, and then you weld it in, and you pull the engine back out, and then ta-da, right? Yep. What you don't realize is when you put that motor back in, is um, our fucking group chat's going crazy. I gotta mute this shit. Yeah, dude, it was actually buzzing over here too, and I was like, I think it's the same uh, same group thread disturbing both yeah. of us. Yeah, they need to shut the fuck up. Trying to do a goddamn so, uh, podcast here, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, so what I never realized is probably because most of the times when you d- you're doing a hardtail like that is while the motor's out, you kind of like freshen up your top end, so this yep. this isn't a thing you run into like right away. And um, when you do the TC Bros hardtail you can't take your rear rocker box off anymore without unbolting your motor. Yeah. So that turns a fucking fairly simple job into a little bit of a clusterfuck. 
Yep, that is a little bit of a horrible idea. Thanks to TC, bros. It's one of those things where, like, I'm sure it all looks good on paper, and then you go to, like, work on the bike, and you're like, oh, this design is actually really troublesome for a lot of things. Yeah, I was like, so, yeah, basically, when, again, at the last Vada show, I think it was, uh, everybody, like, left their bikes here overnight that night, and, um, oh, God, I got two phones. I need this one to shut up, too. Just put on vibrate. It'll be fine. I did. Yeah. I, I had to just realize I had to do two of them. So, yeah. So, when we went, everybody left their bikes here the day of the Spotter show. And uh, I got here early and I like fucking was doing my like typical fucking bike dad thing where I like, I walk around and I check everybody's bikes. I set everybody's air pressure to make sure you guys aren't going to fucking kill me while I'm riding with you. And, um, I fucking, I'm looking at Rhino's bike and I'm like, hey man, this thing is covered in fucking oil. And uh, sure enough, fucking his base gasket's a leak in the O3 Sportster. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah man, like let's just fucking, I'm like, bring it down like whenever and we'll just fucking slap a set of gaskets in it. I had uh, Emma pulled up the part number for him and sent him the part and he ordered it and then brought it down here and you know, we fucking, we were going to like grill out, have some beers and fucking pull this top end apart. And, um, so we dig into it we pull the front rocker box off. No problem. Go to pull the rear one off. Boom. Things fucking touching the frame. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. There's not enough clearance to like lift it over the rocker arms and pull it out of the frame. So what we ended up fucking having to do was disconnect the exhaust completely pull that completely off the bike then uh, move some wiring out of the way and disconnect all the motor mounts and just leave the motor resting in the cradle of the frame and then we had to like literally tip the motor out of the frame to remove the rocker box so that we could get down to the base gaskets dude that is a tight fucking fit huh I was like, that is fucking nonsense. I've run, I've run into that two times in my career, and it was on Rhino's bike, and it was on when I first met you guys. It was on Loctite's fucking uh, what the fuck was that other thing he had? The hood rack. The hood rack. Oh, the hood, the hood rack. rack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we same fucking thing, dude. We went to go do the the rocker box on the hood rack, and the fucking same exact issue that we ended up having to like pull them all. motor mount gotta love it man fucking tc bros man that one actually wasn't a tc bros hardtail that was just like some custom made hardtail but it had the same issue yeah i think that their stuff is like because I, I remember on, on fish tanks bike the way that that backbone turns into the seat post it's like a, a rounded bend and that bend kind of sticks up above the back frame rails so when he went to go put his king and queen seat on it it was actually the nose was kicked way the fuck up and you couldn't mount it so i had to cut i had to cut a hole in the backbone and then weld a flat plate there because they didn't like bend the tube sooner yeah i I don't know i'm I'm not a fucking huge tc bros fan I, i prefer i feel like tc bros is like the fucking entry level chopper game you know what i mean 
And then you, you, like, know, you just go to lowbrow after that, and you're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like, you, know you like fucking like I don't know. I, I do a lot of XS six fifty stuff, and I've definitely I've done a couple TC Bros hardtails on XS six fifties. And then, it, you know, you, it's, it, there's always like a quirky thing with, it seems like with the fab products that, that come out of there. Cause we'll get like every XS650, including mine and my little brothers and Kenny's and every TC bros one I've ever done. You have to like put a car jack in between the axle plates and pry the axle plates out to get that rear wheel out of there because it's so fucking tight. And it's like, well, why not just make them? wider like why are we why are we making it so difficult why do i have to throw a jack in here just to stuff the wheel in some three-quarter spacers back in it's a very yeah. strange design i don't get it yeah i'm not a huge fucking fan of it much of anything tc bros i think the only thing that i like about tc bros was the model a taillight and like that just became like way overplayed anyway <laughs> <laughs> like now that is the symbol of like entry level chopper. That's it. I had one. In, I had. I still have my entry level XS650 in my garage. And believe you me, there's a model tail light, model A tail light listen, on that thing. Listen, dude, it's, it's that, and it's the Maltese Cross, dude. And I'm not gonna lie, I got the Maltese Cross on my other bike. Like, it is what it <laughs> is, bro. that's how that's how you gain entry. You gotta you gotta paint a bike flat black. And you Dude, it is flat black with the with the TC Bros, bro. Oh, I know. Listen, that's this is how it goes. It's TC Bros parts, flat black Model A taillights, and the trailer fender. This is the way that you build your first bike, and we're not shitting on it because we've all done it, and that's how you how you get to the next step. Yep. And then you do weird ass shit like swapping transmissions and yeah. One day you're like, hey, you want to swap trannies? And you're like, I'm like, yeah, let me go get my fucking bike out of my storage unit. We're going to have my winner. <laughs> and that we did. That uh, that push, dude, by the way, before La Espada, even though I didn't end up getting to ride it to the show, that push was fucking huge. I think more got done on that bike in two weeks than got done the entire winter because it was like a fucking mad dash over here to finish all the fab stuff get it to you you put the clutch in got the fucking everything lined up the way it had to be tensioned down wired it and oh yeah yeah oh yeah fucking wired it and that thing is now a reliable bike dude let me just put this out on the air dude i absolutely love wiring choppers dude that is my favorite job to do on anything. I just want to like have people just line up, like finish your bike, bring it here. I wire your bike. Bring it there. Trust, trust me, people. Have him do it. He does a fucking great job with it. You had that thing wired up in no time flat. And that actually the way it all laid out and ended up fitting into that horseshoe oil tank was fucking mint, dude. Bro, I'm a fucking professional, dude. Like, it's like it's like something. It's literally my favorite thing to do. So, like, you know, I get like stoked up when I like find like new fucking like you know solderless terminals and shit. I'm like, oh, these ones got fucking solder built in. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I get fucking hyped on like wiring shit, bro. Oh yeah. I Send me your it, bike. 
send me your bikes, dude. I build custom harnesses and I send them out to people too. Like oh, if, you fucking hit, if you hit me up, like usually through Instagram, like I will, you know, tell me like, you know, I got a fucking 19 fucking 81 sportster with this, this, and this, you know, I have fucking, you know, I want directionals. I don't want directionals. I want everything deleted. You know, I fucking, um, I build harnesses and I send them out to people and people also send me their stock harnesses and I fucking clean those up too. Oh, like, shit. uh, you know, fish tanks, fucking Jade bike. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, um, you know, that's a harness that we took. He literally ripped that off his bike, brought me over the stock harness and I just take everything out that isn't, you know, essentially like chopper related and then put it all back so it fits on the bike like a stock harness goes everything goes back in the completely stock location but without all the without any of the extra bullshit dude that's fucking badass that's a service people got to take advantage of if you want your bike to be easy to fucking work on and diagnose yeah dude legit like in it kind of it's it's all kind of the same thing like so it's it's like a fun thing for me to do i really i actually really enjoy like cleaning up those stock harnesses and making like just getting rid of all the ugly from the fucking factory dude like i think wiring is like one of the like there's so many beautiful bikes out there that i like walk by and i'm just like what the fuck is going on with the wiring though dude you got a ten thousand dollar paint job and a fucking fourteen dollar wiring harness like right (laughs) dude priorities You know, you could have fucking you, you could have bought the weatherproof connectors or something, dude. You're out here using those fucking those blue plastic ones from fucking AutoZone. Yeah, that is one thing that at this point, after seeing you do it with the ones you use, is I went and I bought a set of those ones because it's no fucking comparison. Dude, I gotta show you these new ones that I just picked up. So they're like it's it's this fucking um it looks just like the regular ones that I I use that heat drink like that yeah except these ones have solder built in so you heat it with the heat gun right well first you you just twist the wire together right and you slide this thing over like a piece of heat drink right and then so you twist the wire together slide this little piece of heat shrink looking material over it and then you heat it up and in the middle of it there's actually like a piece of solder and the solder heats up and solders the connection for you inside of the heat shrink Oh wow, dude! I'm like, this is fucking game changing shit, bro. Yeah, that'd be better than what I'm using. Yeah, dude. Next time you come over here, I'm gonna show you one of these things. Like, especially for like LEDs, like you could put one of these terminal these connectors on and snake it through your frame, bro. Fuck. Like these are fucking serious. Yeah, I would like to. uh... Because I might have to to make some uh, some changes to a tail light pretty soon, and I was thinking about see, dude, this is why I can't paint my bikes. Because now I was thinking about doing the same thing we talked about before, where you you weld the tube to the underside of the fender and run the wires through the tube. And yeah. I already painted the fender now, and I'm like, fuck. I mean, it's rattle can, so it doesn't really like matter. I could fix it later, but. Yeah, dude, that's why you just have to, like, if you're going to build a bike without, like, an absolute plan, 
then you, you should wait on paint for at least one season. Yeah. But, so yeah, dude, I'm glad to hear the bike is like good to go. Actually, both of the, both of our bikes are good to go at this point. So what do you pl- What do you got planned for the rest of the summer shows you're looking to hit? Yeah. I mean, pretty much like anything local, um, obviously deadbeat. We got that, um, Actually, Deadbeat has that hill climb show next week. I think um, Astroman's bike is in it. My bike is in it. Um, Brandon's bike is in it. A few other people. Um, a lot of local dudes. So come with my shovel head. Um, yeah. I don't know. Pretty much anything local I'm going to hit. I'm probably not going to do a ton of traveling this year just because, like, dude, gas is fucking crazy. Yeah, dude, it really is. I think it's actually going to limit a lot of people's traveling this year. Like, I, I usually like to get out and, like, hit, like, a you know, at least, like, a couple, like, you know, further away shows. Like, I didn't even make it to back road this year because, like, we, the week or, like, two weeks before had gone to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to bring um, Josh, his frame, and all and the motor. I built the motor for Josh's bike and all that shit. So we, we fucking delivered all the parts everything Dan painted everything rhino blasted. We delivered all that to PA. So while we were on the trip, I just like kept track of like, you know, like basically like an average of like how much we were spending for like, you know, meals and fucking everything. Right. And uh, we took that number and we applied it, you know, broke it down per mile. Right. So that's like gas, food, tolls, like whatever. And, um, I applied that same number to the trip to fucking back road. And I was like, dude, that's like $1,500. And we were going to tow a trailer on top of that. So it would have been more than that. And I was like, fuck that, dude. I don't have that kind of fucking, you know, cash to buy. Like, especially like at the beginning of the season, you know? It really, yeah, dude, absolutely. It's just been an insane couple of weeks or excuse me, a couple of months with this, that things got super out of control with the cost of everything that I think everybody's kind of like, all right, I'm going to pick and choose for the rest of the season. And hopefully next year is not like this. Dude, it's like fucking $13 to fill or $14 to fill my, either my sportser or my shovel head. Cause it's got the same tank on it. I made two of those tanks. And, um, it's like $13 to fill that bike. I'm like, this shit used to be like five bucks and I'd go cruising all day. Like, right. You know, it's like literally three times what it was. It was costing me. Cause I have two trucks. I have, I have my Silverado and I have the shop truck and the shop truck's a four cylinder. So it's pretty good on gas, but my Silverado, obviously being in New Hampshire in the winter time, like I'm not, I'm not blasting around in my fucking two wheel drive Ranger. I'm taking my four wheel drive Silverado out and it was like $25 a day to commute from my house to my shop in my Silverado. Fuck dude. Dude. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Thank Christ. You know, now I can take the bike and, and, or take the shop truck, which like I said, is a four cylinder, you know, which is pretty good on gas. And obviously the bike is really good on gas and you know, that's saving a ton of money, but like, dude, that was fucking killing me, dude. 25 bucks a day. Doesn't sound like a lot till, till you go through a six day work week like that. Dude. You're like, what the fuck? You know, yeah, let alone exactly. like, you know, poor Loctite dude started a tow company, you know what I mean? And then gas goes like through the fucking roof. Yeah, dude, that, that I think that's who it's hitting the hardest is like anyone who does, who drives a diesel vehicle for work. 
dude, and, and I work, a, I, I do a ton of work with Loctite because he, he does the motorcycle transportation. So like, you know, him and I work together probably at least twice a week. He's bringing bikes down here. And um, yeah. every once in a while, dude, I'll hear somebody fucking bitch about fucking, you know, if you're local to my shop, you're, you're within my town or one of the towns touching it, it's only $75 to get that shit delivered to my shop. Right? That's a pretty good deal. People right. will be bitching about that. And I'm like, do you realize that that's, you know, one, this man has to fire up a fucking uh, a 2500 GMC, drive all the way to your house, load up your shit out of your backyard. He fucking takes, again, you know, there's the risk involved. He's taking the risk of dragging your shit box out of your backyard, putting it in his trailer, and then bringing it all the way down here. And you think fucking 75 bucks is a lot, but it probably costs him fucking 10 bucks in gas every time he goes out. I'm like, really? He's making like 60 fucking dollars, dude, for like, you know, you know, sometimes an hour, two hours of his time. Before tax. Yeah. Yeah, dude. You know, he ends up like maybe $60 in his pocket. And then he's still going to pay insurance and everything else, dude. And I'm like, and, and people bitch about that. I'm like, dude, fuck you people. They just have no idea about what any yeah. of it costs. Or, or like what, you know, in Hilltow cars down here. And like, you know, and, uh, you know, people will be like, oh, it costs too much to get a car towed. And I'm like, do you realize how much money it costs to fill a tow truck up with gas? Yeah, right. Like, dude, you, you can't even fucking fathom. You know, you fill up your Civic once a week for $40 and you're bitching about it, dude. This guy spends like fucking $300 a day in fuel. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, it is insane how much it would cost. And I think people just have no idea. Yeah. So that's kind of limiting like a huge amount of fucking traveling to shows and shit this year. Yeah. That is definitely the same the same situation over here. Like you said, I never put double digit money in my bike. And dude, uh, yeah. It was weird, dude. It blew my mind. Yeah. It was like two dot I remember I mean, like I have a one basically two gallon tank. And yeah. it, I've, I've never put <clears throat> 1.9 gallons in the damn thing. And yeah. I'm like, holy shit, dude, I'm almost putting 10 bucks in this fucking tank right now. And I used to put two bucks, three bucks. Yeah. Unreal. So yeah, exactly. dude. Like I used to like pull up to the gas pump with a $5 bill and get like, fucking, I was good to go. Yeah. You had out for the day on five bucks. Yeah. You know, we were good to go to fucking Maine and then, you know, put another five bucks in and come back. Like, you know, crazy dude. For a long time. Yeah. Shit's wild. But uh, yeah, dude, deadbeat is going to be a must hit for us this year. Got to get to that. Got to get to, uh, I, so I would like to go, to cheap thrills uh that definitely seemed like a fucking sweet show last year That's so i'm, I'm dying to go to that but like i'm really hoping that they don't do what they did last year was cheap thrills was on the same day as glory days and um i was an invited uh fucking whatever for fucking glory days for the shovelhead so that's you know, right i, I forgot about that dude so i was fucking down there by myself watching all our fucking friends on the beach on instagram going fucking god damn it dude then having to load the shovel up by myself because all my friends are on the beach right dude and i actually like just got the text today that they invited me back to glory days this year is it on the same day dude so 
I, I I didn't answer the text. All right. Hopefully it's not listening to this shit. So I didn't answer the text because I'm like, fuck, dude, I don't I don't know if I want to do that or if it ends up being the same day as Seaside, I might do that, dude. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, last year looked fucking sweet, dude. I couldn't make it to last year's, but I seen I mean, Glory Days is like a incredible show. Like it's just like I, you know, I'd like to do both. Cause like neither one of those is super, super far. I've pretty much mastered driving to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in like a weekend from fucking when Emma and I first started dating and we lived seven hundred and fucking twenty-five miles apart. Jesus, dude. Yeah. So huh? like Dude, I literally, this is the move right here, dude, is I leave here on Friday night and I drive to fucking um, either Nick or Ronnie's house and I crash there. Shout out to the Dirty Bills boys for always having a bed for me. And then um, I'll crash there, dude, and I'll leave there at like 530 in the morning and shoot straight over to fucking Pittsburgh, PA. Be there by like noontime. Fuck yeah. And then I spend... If I'm in Pittsburgh, I usually fucking crash with like Josh Boggs. Yep. Um, fucking again, shout out to Steel City, and then I fucking boogie back here and like, you know, I'll I'll leave again like fucking five thirty in the morning, and I'll be back here at like five thirty at night on fucking Sunday night. Dude, so that's, that's a recipe. Dude, that's like, dude, that's like I've got it figured the fuck out, like where I sleep where you know all my stops on the way i've got it mastered bro so like that's like that's an easy run for me and i pretty much like you know i know what it's going to cost in gas because i just take what it usually costs and like triple it at this point basically (laughs) I i can plan for that run and i can you know i i've ridden to fucking atlantic city on my bike like probably 15 times so like if there's a show in New Jersey, I'll just fucking cruise down on the bike and save a ton of money. Yeah, I feel like that's the only way to do it right now. Dude, like, like shit you yeah. can take the bike to and then shit you're going to hit next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I, you know, like I said, I got no problem riding to pretty much anything in Jersey. Like, you know, I rode to fucking um, Trog in October a couple of years ago. You know, that's a that's a pretty straightforward run. And you can actually like stop again, like crash at like dirty builds place or crash fucking, you know, wherever. Right. You know enough people. Yeah, for sure. I think that would help break the trip up and make it a little more manageable. Yeah. I mean, so if fucking seaside happens, I'll probably just hop on my sportster and ride all the way down there. Yeah. There you go. Dude, I'd fucking roll with you. Honestly. Yeah, dude, that's the mo- dude. So, I have that fucking. I I used to like go like I used love gambling back in the day, dude. So I hit Atlantic City like all the time. Yeah, dude, I can show you where there's like fucking twenty dollar hotels down there, like all kinds of shit. I got that route figured the fuck out. Like where we need to get gas, where where the gas where the rest stop has been closed for six years, even though it says it's open on the map. Like yeah, right. The- <laughs> Avoid the pitfalls, dude. Like. Yeah, I've I've fucking strung it pretty tight in New Jersey before. I've been cruising through there and like I used to like plan out on Google Maps like where all my gas stops would be. Mm-hmm. Cuz like with the small small tank, dude, that's part of that's part of road tripping, you know. Right. And uh yeah, dude, what you learn is you don't fucking make it so tight in between gas stops 
unless you're like up here, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, you're all right, dude. Like you start getting further down and like they spread the gas stops out further. Yeah, that is one thing I learned riding to Ohio one year. I was like, wow, dude, how how long before you're going to put another one of these things? Yeah, so, like, what I learned is, like, plan out your gas stops, like, a little bit fucking early. Or a lot of bit early if you have to. Like, yeah, I was rolling through there one time, dude, and I fucking had all my gas stops planned out. And I ended up trying to pull into a fucking gas stop with my bike on, like, choking out on reserve and i pull into this gas stop and the fucking place is under construction still oh dude dude so thankfully i actually had i had loctite's fuel bottles strapped to the front fork of my bike because like he gave it to me like 10 minutes before i left and uh i fucking (laughs) dude i had just enough fuel to find some random fucking gas stop in some shithole town in new jersey Fuck, yeah. man. Made it work. So, never fucking plan your gas stops that tight. Yeah, this is this is good advice. I've run out of gas five minutes down the road from my own house due to poor planning. So oh, 100%. all about making the, the, wrong to, the wrong choices on gas. But if you want to fucking roll down to Jersey, dude, I got that route figured out. Dude, if, if that ends up being the move, I will definitely hit you up because... Uh, the only downside is I got a four speed, so it's going to be screaming on the highway. Yeah, it's going to be fucking revving out the whole way, bro. <gasps> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming back on, giving us the updates. Uh, we'll definitely have to do another one, especially if we do this this Jersey trip. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, man. Well, uh, we will uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Uh, hopefully, I can swing by the shop again, too. I got to drop off some parts. Actually, I got to give you that ignition. Come to think of it. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. I actually ended up, I ended up finding one of those. Like, I was just digging through a drawer in my toolbox and ended up finding it anyway. Oh, sick. Yeah, dude, this is, that's my life. I just find random parts. And I'm like, what the fuck? All right. When did I put this thing here? Yeah, that's, you know, it'll oh. happen. Well, remind me next time I'm next time I'm heading your way. Remind me about that thing, and I'll just drop it off because I have no need for it. So keep it in your parts bin or something. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude! It'll definitely come in handy, and you know where it is if you need it anyway. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, have a good rest of the night, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. I'll talk to you. All right, later. Later. And we're back. Huge shout out again to Steve from Fat Man Custom Motors for coming on. Super good to catch up with him and give you guys the update. We see him all the time, and it's it's so easy to forget that uh, we haven't given you guys an update on what he's been up to, so appreciate him coming on. Before we close this one out, though, you know what we got to do. We got to thank some of these people who make this motherfucking show possible. First up, we got Deadbeat Customs out of Tooksbury, Massachusetts. They got a brick-and-mortar shop set up over there, swing over, try on a jacket, a helmet, a pair of gloves, and tell Steve that you heard about him on the Low Life motherfucking Chopper podcast. Also, if you're ordering on their website, use code LOWLIFE, and it'll save you a couple bucks. Next up, we got Hypnic Jerk Customs out of Sydney, Australia, making some of the dopest stainless steel weld-in taillights. He also does headlights indicator lights, jockey shifters, points covers, and custom orders. So if you don't see something on the website that you like, 
he can square it away. Give Cam a message over on Instagram at HypnicJerkCustoms. Next, we got Stay Strong Co., maker of the dopest hot sauce in the motherfucking game. To scoop yourself a jar, go to Stay Strong Co. LLC on Instagram, shoot John a message, and tell him you need five jars of the greatest hot sauce in all the motherfucking land. Next, we got Steel City Blacksmithing out there in fucking PA crushing the Twisted Steel game. Whatever you need smithed up, he can handle it. I promise you that. Josh is a great dude. You've heard him on the podcast uh, at least one time, maybe more than once. Go check out his Beginner's Luck sporty build with a twisted twisted frame, and you are going to be blown away. Absolutely unbelievable work. Next up, we got Ray's Hell Motorcycle Co., who you heard Ben Daly on the podcast not more than a week or two ago, uh, out there in upstate New York doing custom work, full builds, a full merch line, and a whole lot more. Swing on over to Raise Hell Motorcycle Co., all one word, on Instagram. Give him a follow. And to follow that long dong shovel build, make sure you're also following his personal page, uh, which is Raise Hell Daily, D-A-I-L-E-Y. Fucking fancy like that. Last but not least, we got the homie Dan, a.k.a. No Luck Paint Works, out there in Manchester, New Hampshire, crushing the motherfucking paint game. Once I figure out all the fucking bugs with my bike, I'll be sending it over to him for the final form. Uh, he has done Astro Man's bike, a whole bunch of our other homies' bikes, raffles, giveaway prizes, and a ton of shit. So go check out No Luck Paint Works on Instagram and see what the man has been up to. I think we made it. Appreciate you guys sticking with us through all the sponsors and just in general for sticking with us for coming up on four years of this podcast now. It is still insane to me to think that it's been that long that this is going on. Every Friday, you know your boys never fucking miss. It's Thursday night right now as I'm recording this, as a matter of fact. And whatever we got to do to get it done, we fucking get it done. And I hope that you guys look forward to it every Friday as much these days as you did in the beginning when you first found it. So appreciate you guys rocking with us. To close this one out, I will say, if you're running a shop or even if you plan to someday, hone those skills now and collect that motherfucking hazard pay. I couldn't get a bill pay, you couldn't buy the real thing. I was staying up at your place, trying to figure out the whole thing. I saw people doing things, almost gave up on the music thing. But we all so spoiled now, more life, more everything. Must have never had your phone tap, all that yapping on the phone shit. You must really love the road life, all that never coming home shit. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Don Rose toes, hitting hills where I pose. I start my day slow, silk pajamas when I wake though, mirror vow to the face though, I drunk text J-Lo, old number so it bounce back, boy wonder got to bounce back, used to get paid for shows in front door, money 510, 20s hand sanitized, that your count that, me and Gibbo was about that, eating Applebee's and Outback, Southwest no first class, Hilton rooms got a double up, writing our name on a double cup, we ain't even have a tour bus, girls wouldn't even think of recording me, I fall asleep in sororities. I had some different priorities. 
Weezy had all the authority. Women I like was ignoring me. Now they like, aren't you adorable? I know the question rhetorical. I took the team play from Oracle. Mama never used to cook much. Used to chef KD. Now me and chef KD. Bet on shopping 20 G's. I brought the game to his knees. I ain't make too much these days to ever say poor me. Where you at? I never see you. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Niggas move so waste. Please come outside the house and show yourself so I can say it to your face. It's bound to happen, man. It's gotta happen now, so let's just get it out the way. A lot of niggas going bad on me, please, one at a time. I wanna move to Dubai, so I don't ever have to kick it with none of you guys. I didn't listen to Hov on that old song when he told me pay no mind. I get more satisfaction out of going at your head and seeing all of you die. And I seen a lot of you die. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Hitting hills where I pose, yeah. Yeah, you already know, yeah. I'm the troublemaker in the Neighborhood for us troublemaking goals, yeah. House party of the road, yeah. I'm not kidding, play this kid doesn't play about the flow, yeah. Y'all keep playing with your nose, yeah. You get high and do the most, yeah. How you let the kid fighting ghost writing rumors turn into a ghost? Oh, you niggas got jokes. Free smoke, free smoke. Buckle. Yeah. We out here. You don't know, eh? It's an OVO thing, eh? You don't know, eh? It's an Eastside thing, eh? You don't know, eh?